right, welcome to In Your Corner with Core Physical Therapy. My name is Scott McKenzie, and this podcast is uniquely positioned. And what I mean by that, we bring the medical industry, the medical professionals to you, and we talk about better pain management, we talk about rehab after surgery, we talk about improved mobility, and we talk about preventative care. And you know what else? We talk about so much more on this particular podcast. Now, thank you for joining this podcast. So let's get on with the interview. All right, once again, welcome to In Your Corner with Core Physical Therapy. Remember, and I, I just I was just telling the panel, I go out to corephysicaltherapy.com. That's where you need to go. Corephysicaltherapy.com. It is a new website. And I didn't think that there could be a better way of uh, finding a, a clinic near you. They did. They improved it. That's corephysicaltherapy.com. And 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 look, it's comprehensive, compassionate, close by. They have everything. Go to corephysicaltherapy.com. If you need a physical therapist, yeah, that's where you need to go. They also have also they also have little pictures. They say pinpoint your problem. And it shows the neck and shoulder and huh, corephysicaltherapy.com. Hitting it out of the park with that doggone website. All right. We have a great panel. Starts with Nevin. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to had to just give you the kudos, Nevin. And we're going to be talking a little bit about Perthes. Did I get that right? Perthes. Very good. <laughs> Thank you for the support, Doctor Rick. And uh, so, before we do get into that topic, let's go around. Let's uh, make a little introduction for the listeners out there. Ashley, starting with you, give us a little background on who you are. Hi, I'm Ashley Williams. I am the clinic manager at our DePair location in St. Louis, Missouri. That's it? Yeah. <laughs> I was so, you caught me off guard. All right. Tavia, please give us a little background on who you are. Hi, I am uh, Tavia Shively. I am Nevin's mom. And I'm just here because I had to tag along on this journey for the past couple of years. So. Well, very good. Nevin, you want to sort of chime in? How old are you and all that good stuff? Uh, I'm Nevin Shively. I'm 15, and uh, I'm like the important person on this call. So. <laughs> wow. So he true. Is, he's, he's plucky. He's a plucky 15-year-old. All right, Dr. Rick, let's get rolling. They're all ready. First of all, I want to thank everybody, Ashley, Tavia, and Nevin, for um, – this podcast. This is a very important topic, and it's something that probably most of the listeners have not really heard a lot about or don't know a lot about. Scotty's shaking his head, so he didn't know. Um, and I think it's very important to, to kind of bring in, as Scott said, the the personal side of this. I'm, as an orthopedic surgeon, we talk about stages of um, LCP, leg calvi perthes disease, etc. But you know, we're going to hear and we're going to talk to Nevin and Tabby, and we're really going to discuss sort of the um, personal side. And Ash is going to kind of give us the PT side and, and a little bit of the personal side. Because as an orthopedic surgeon, our role is really fairly limited in terms of the personal. We're very mechanical. We make the diagnosis, et cetera. But we're not real big on the personal side, which we should be. So hopefully... This is going to open everybody's eyes. We're going to learn about Perthes disease, which um, has been around for a long time. So before we get started, I'm going to ask both you guys, both both Nevin and Tavia, to describe what Perthes is in your mind. So Nevin, since you are the most important person on this podcast, 
Um, you're up. Tell us what leg cowboy Perthes disease is. Uh, it's basically just like um, your hip, like joint. Uh, it loses blood supply, and then because of that, it and like the bone dies, and then it will get misshapen so that it's like a very uh, it resembles more of a like old person hip rather than a normal one. So it's very like arthritic and it doesn't move very well. So, yeah. And Tavia, why don't you weigh in a little bit and tell us what you think Perthes disease is. And that was actually very, a very concise, very good description of what happens. Yes. Uh, the only thing I would add is that it typically happens to younger children between the ages of four and 10. Um, so Nevins was actually late onset Perthes, um, which unfortunately has a worse prognosis. Um, but yeah, he, he described it pretty well. And, and when, when, when we start this, um, I want to hear from both you guys and, and, and kind of everybody's thoughts in terms of what you guys went through individually and as a family. And I think that's really important. So let's start from the beginning, Nevin. Tell us when you first noticed a problem with your hip and were your symptoms in your hip or did they go down your leg or tell us exactly what happened in the beginning. Uh, yeah, so um, like oh, about two years ago now, uh, a little bit less than that, I was like on the soccer team at my school and uh, I just like it at first it just kind of felt like a normal like like when I moved it in extreme directions, it hurt a bit, but like I was still able to play and put weight on it. Uh, so that went on for a week or two and uh, we just assumed that it would get better. Um, but then right before our first game, uh, I like it started to feel really bad and I was having trouble like walking normally or like just putting weight through it hurt a bit. Uh, but I tried to play in that game, and uh, immediately it was just way worse than I kind of realized. Uh, like, I wasn't able to challenge the ball at all, and, like, I just – I kind of had to sit out that game because it hurt so bad. And where was – specifically, where was your pain? Uh, it was in the – like, right around the hip joint, so not in the, like, in the anywhere. front, in the back, more in the groin. Uh, I think it was more on the front, if I remember, but I, that was a long time ago, so I don't really know. And Tavia, kind of, what did Nevin say, and what did you think, and and kind of what what questions did you ask him, and how did you proceed from there? Mm -hmm. Well, he had been complaining of a little hip pain for about a week. Um, and even, you know, looking back, he had some hip pain in the year prior to this. Uh, I'm not sure if it was related or not, but when we, when he, when it was getting worse, um, I thought it was probably just a muscle, you know, related injury. And I wasn't sure if it was anything to worry about at first, but when he could not play in that soccer game, I knew right away that it was something bad because he never stops, especially in a game. I mean, he would have never let anything stop him prior to this. So when he couldn't even run um, during that game, I knew something was desperately wrong. And we went to the pediatrician the next day and 
she examined him and didn't really find too much, but because the pain was right on the joint, she did send us for an x-ray. Um, and I think in her mind and my mind at that point, it was just to rule anything out. It wasn't because she was actually concerned. Uh, but then we got a call um, a couple days later um, telling me that he had lead calf perthes, which I, of course, had never heard of and, and first had to look it up to know what to worry about. So. And did, did you notice a limp? And, and I'll ask you that same question in a minute, Evan. Did you, did you feel like you had a limp? But, Tavi, did you, did you notice that he limped? Did he walk differently? Did he climb stairs differently? Or was it just really initially just pain? Well, the year prior to this, like the six months probably leading up to this, I did notice him limping a little bit after his soccer practices, but it would go away. Um, almost immediately after he sort of recovered from practice. So I just, you know, chalked it up to sore muscles. Um, looking back, maybe that could have been the, the precursor to this. And then we didn't really notice much of a limp until um, it got really bad. And then, yes, he, he was not able to walk properly. And Nevin, did you feel like you had limited range of motion or did you feel like you had normal range of motion? And... How did that affect you trying to play soccer? Uh, well, at the very beginning, uh, like when I realized that it was hurting, I actually still had fairly normal range of motion. But like uh, I remember before that game, I was trying to stretch out my hip because it hurt. So I was like pointed to my chest and doing that motion like at the end hurt pretty bad. So I did have a little bit of limited range, but up until like at that point it had, hadn't collapsed very much so i still had fairly normal as it progressed though and collapsed more my motion decreased a lot so and mom after you kind of heard the diagnosis walk us through so you go to the internet you look up perthes disease or leg calvary perthes disease and what were your thoughts at that point um, well, I, I probably did do the normal mom freak out, you know, like <laughs> something's wrong with my child. No one wants to hear that. Um, and of course you find all the pictures of the kids in the double leg casts and all these weird braces and, you know, things that I knew were not going to be any fun for him. And I was hoping we could avoid, um, we didn't, <laughs> but I was hoping we could at that point. And I, I don't know. It was a shock, I guess, at first. It was obviously disappointing to know that he was probably going to have to give up a, a lot of what he loved for a very long length of time. And it was also disappointing to read that kids his age don't do very well with this. But at the same time, um, I also realized that somebody could be telling me my child had a brain tumor or a heart that wasn't working or, you know, something that was actually going to affect his life. Um, in this case, as disappointing and frustrating and sad as it was, it is, it was just a hit. So I tried to keep reminding myself of that. No, I think that's very valuable and, and, and actually the right outlook. Um, yes, it, it's not great to have hip pain or LCP, but it's also treatable. And if you get a total hip, you get a total hip. But as you said, it's not a brain tumor or bone cancer or other things that uh, are not going to end as well. This is going to actually end very well. So after you saw, after the pediatrician called, then what happened? Did she suggest you see a specialist or 
we're going to ask Ash here in a minute. Did you go to physical therapy? What, what transpired subsequently? So she immediately sent us down to Children's Hospital. And Nevin's grandpa was actually an orthopedic surgeon before he retired. And um, he had worked with Perry Schenecker down at Children's Hospital and sent us to him. And so we saw him within, I think it was within a, a week. It was pretty quick. And after seeing him, Nevin was in surgery a week later. So two weeks after his diagnosis, he was having his first surgery um, because he was so old for this disease. They wanted to try and attack it as soon as possible to give him the best chance possible. So we're going to walk this back just, just for a second. Um, so Nevin's grandfather's Bob Shively. Yes. Okay. And, and you guys saw the famous Dr. Perry Shaneker, um, yes. <laughs> who actually is very, so I trained with all these guys and, uh, um, long time ago, unfortunately. And, uh, these are storied orthopedic surgeons. So you, you're, you're truly, uh, at the best of the best. So no physical therapy, no bracing, no containment. And just because, and, and you're right, when you get it early, the prognosis is much better. As you get older, the collapse is more difficult and the treatment is more difficult. So let's go go back for one second, Evan. What were your thoughts? You, you, you saw Dr. Schenecker. He told you what was going on. Um, any physical therapy, et cetera? Uh, yeah, so for those, like, probably for those two weeks before the surgery and even a little bit afterwards, I was still kind of, like, in disbelief that it was actually bad. Like I, I kind of was, was expecting at most maybe a three month long thing. And then I'd be back to how I was before. Um, I realized after a month or two that that probably wasn't the case, but uh, then I thought that they might've like gotten something wrong because it was still feeling decently uh, before the surgery. So I kind of, just didn't think that they were correct writers. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but at that point, we weren't doing any physical therapy or anything like that. So, Ashley, explain containment. What What is containment and what are the principles of treating uh, Perthes disease early on in trying to get revascularization? And, and before we get into that, let's just discuss one thing real quick. So, so what is Perthes? Perthes is a loss of blood supply of the femoral head. That's the ball or the ball in the socket in your hip. And a couple of things can happen. The blood supply can just come back and everything is great. And historically, the way we've tried to treat that is by what's called containment. And that means keeping the ball in the protective capacity of the socket so that further blood supply isn't damaged. So along those lines, early on, Ash, what, what, what do we do? How do we treat someone who's six years old and has Perthes disease? And how do we contain the femoral head so it doesn't further break down or collapse. With that, I think you you just really tackle strengthening as much as they can to kind of keep that the head of that femur inside of the joint, um, but also maintaining the proper range of motion because if it, they have a little bit limited range of motion, they might uh, disrupt that blood supply even more. So really maintaining that range of motion, even improving it, but also strengthening so that we can keep that head of the femur inside of the hip joint. That's great. And so, so what are the limitations in someone who has Perthes? What, what, what 
motions are are going to be limited. Bringing knee to chest was really, really difficult for Nevin, um, even towards the end with it as well. Um, just that hip flexion range of motion was extremely difficult. Um, and even hip extension as well, just because the hip flexors are tight. And so it's, it's really affecting it in all different ranges of motion, even rotation, internal and external, um, that the head of the femur is just collapsing and not in the proper shape, like Nevin said before. And so all of the motions are pretty limited, but I think for Nevin specifically, it was hip flexion. That was the most difficult for him. And that's pretty typical flexion and internal rotation are limited and they're usually limited and painful. So, um, and generally that's exactly right. The, 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 the whole concept is containment. And for years, people have tried cast bracing crutches, decreasing your activities, et cetera. And it all kind of depends on how much has collapsed and what the blood supply looks like and what stage are you are you starting to regress are you starting to progress blood supply so nevin when you went to see dr shaniker were you a little flipped out or were you nervous or kind of how'd you feel i mean i wasn't really that nervous when we first went to see him because i was ex kind of expecting him to tell us that it wasn't actually that bad um but for the surgery, I didn't really understand at the time what he was going to be doing. So that made me a little nervous and the prospect of having to wear uh, a, the double leg cast afterwards was not like I wasn't looking forward to that. And and what was the surgery? Your initial two week after seeing uh, Perry Shaniker, what was the surgery? Uh, I believe he... Uh, yeah, he did a core decompression and he drilled through the like growth plate to try and get some blood supply. And then he did a bone graft into the, uh, like into the head to, I guess, like have a better starting point or like it have it be more solid. And then I think he, did he inject stem cells mm -hmm. as well? So. And, and that's a pretty standard for a surgery, core decompression, uh, bone graft, and then an augment, which are the stem cells or PRP combination stem cells. And so after the surgery, what, I'll call it an apparatus, what were you in? Yeah, it was a, uh, a Petri cast. So it went from around the waist, right? No, it's your thighs. Okay, so like thigh, mid-thigh, uh, down to my ankles and uh, it put my legs out at probably like 30 degree angles maybe on either yeah. side. In a, in a V shape and then there were two metal bars in between the two legs that kept them spread in exactly that position. So uh, that was probably the worst part of this entire journey was dealing with that cast for four and a half weeks or however long he had it on um, because we, he couldn't move by himself. Like we had to physically lift him wherever he needed to go. Um, and even though he's a very thin kid, he's still, you know, 14 at the time. So he wasn't super light. Um, but we had to grab his feet and then he would support himself with his arms and push himself, you know, from one location to the other, um, or he'd go in a wheelchair. 
And that was the only way he could get around at that time. And, and this includes things like using the toilet and bathing. And you can imagine with a 14 year old boy, they don't want you helping with those things. <laughs> so we found some very original ways to take care of all those issues. Um, and we got through it, but that was, that was probably the hardest part of all of this. And you were in the Petri cast about four and a half weeks, Nevin. Mm -hmm. And you're doing a great job. What happened after that? So you went to see Dr. Scheneker, he took the cast off and then what happened? Uh, I think we were just told to uh, stay on crutches and uh, we did stretching at home, but not, we didn't go to any actual like formal therapy at that point. And post-surgically real painful, a little painful, not too painful. How sore was your hip? Um, let's say the first three, four days and then the next four weeks. I don't remember too much, but I don't remember it being too awful, but I also couldn't really move my hip that much. So I don't, I don't know how it would have worked. <laughs> he had, he had a lot more pain from the cast. It seemed like in that surgery than he did from the actual surgery itself. Um, there was a little incision pain, of course, but the hip itself didn't seem too painful. It was just like the cast rubbing against the back of his knees, things like that, that would be bothersome because especially because at night he couldn't move himself. So he had a little bell that he would ring for us and, <laughs> and we would go in and flip him over to his stomach or his back, whichever one that he yeah, did. Was myself. Yeah. So right. that, and those casts are always miserable. And, and I remember when I was at Children's, when I was at the Shriners, just there's nothing you could do to make those casts comfortable. They were always rubbing somewhere. Um, the skin was breaking down. It was you're 200 percent right. That whole process is uh, miserable. Now, when you initially saw Dr. Scheneker, were there any other options? Did he discuss anything else uh, immediately, a total hip or? cutting the bone and realigning the femur was anything else discussed or was this pretty much um, the first at bat? Yeah, there were other things discussed later on down the road, but at that point, this was what he felt was Nevin's best chance. And um, he had apparently collaborated with various other doctors and they were in agreement. So this is the route we went. I think no, he I think did tell us about the uh, osteotomy at that point, right? I thought he at least gave us that option, but he said that he didn't first. No. I know they didn't say the hip replacement yet. No. So, so you came out of the cast, you were on crutches, you didn't really start formal physical therapy, and then how did things progress from there? How was pain, how was your motion, etc.? Uh, as I remember it, I think that the like, motion was okay, but still not where we wanted it to be. Um, and it was still a little painful for all the directions that we were stretching it. Uh, but it didn't seem to be getting any better as we were stretching it. So I was just on crutches and we would stretch every night, but we weren't really making any progress. And then we had x-rays and MRIs every you know, six to eight weeks. And eventually it was kind of obvious that this wasn't really working and the bone was not growing back the way we had hoped it would. 
That was going to be my next question. So, so your follow-up MRs didn't show consolidation or revascularization of the femoral head. So what did Dr. Scheneker think about that and what was discussed? Um, well, we had been back, you know, multiple times and it did, it did reach a point. I think it was after about six months that he told us, I can't do anything else for him at this point. You need to go see um, another doctor here in St. Louis. Um, and he said, you know, you could just let it be for a little while and see what happens. Or, you know, you could consider a hip replacement. And at that point, um, we did go to see another surgeon here in St. Louis. And then we started exploring our other options, which is what eventually took us to Baltimore. So, so let's discuss that just a little bit. So in that period, did you do some physical therapy, Nevin? And, and, or was it just painful? And how limited were you going to school, normal daily activities, et cetera? Uh, I don't think we'd, we'd started physical therapy during that time. Uh, but, and as far as like limitations, I think that I was still able to like get around. Okay. But I was obviously using crutches and I got pretty good at using the crutches. So going to school, I mean, it's not as easy as it would be if I could walk, but it wasn't the end of the world to walk around on the crutches. He, uh, he did a mile on crutches in 12 minutes, and oh. he played crutch soccer, and he taught himself how to hop on the crutches. He was, he was crazy on those crutches. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And, and real painful, progressively painful your hip, or was it just sort of a low-level discomfort that uh, you could tolerate? I don't remember having any pain like moving around because I was using the crutches and I was pretty much prone on that side. Uh, so like I wasn't moving it at all, but there was still some pain when we stretched it. Uh, so yeah, I never tried walking on it though. So it might've hurt if I had done that. So you didn't really bear weight on it. And, no. and Dr. Shannon didn't really want you walking on it. At the very end, he said we could, but we that was like right when he told us that he was that he couldn't do anything else. So, and then at your next doctor appointment after you after Dr. Scheniger felt that he had uh, done his best to revascularize your femoral head and it didn't happen, um, both you guys kind of go through your next appointment when you saw the total hip doctor how 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 did that go and what other options were discussed so uh the, the guy we saw here in st louis did recommend a hip replacement but he also did talk about an osteotomy as an alternative that might work he, he wasn't super confident that that would work but he did give us that as an option um and at the time Nevin in particular was just not ready to consider the hip replacement. He, he really wanted to try to save his natural hip because he had read, you know, all the things that say, once you have a total hip, you can only do golf and rowing. And, you know, he just, he was very disappointed when he heard that news, obviously, because he was an athlete. Um, so at that point, we, uh, this whole time, of course, when you research Perthes on the internet, you find all kinds of things. Um, and we had 
learned about a doctor in Baltimore, uh, Dr. Sean Standard, that is doing a surgery that it seems very few people in the world are doing. Um, and he talked to us multiple times, um, looked at Nevin's x-rays, and after various conversations with him, we decided to go ahead and give this a shot, even though going into it, we knew we only had about a 60% chance of saving the hip, or at least that was the number he gave us. Um, but Nevin really wanted to try to save his hip and he wanted to try everything possible before we went the hip replacement route. And so that's what we did. And explain that process, Nevin, what, what was the surgery? Um, what was the recovery and kind of walk us through what you were thinking at that point? Uh, so that surgery, it, uh, he took the, he dislocated the hip and, then he like reshaped the head using uh, like some synthetic bone and some cadaver bone uh, and tried to make it like as round as possible. And then uh, he put it back in and he put a external fixator on it. Uh, so that would keep all weight off of the hip while I was wearing that. Um, and then I wore that for three months after the surgery and we did uh, pool therapy during that time as well as physical therapy. And I mean, before the surgery, I wasn't really excited because I knew what I have to do afterwards, but I was glad to not be having a hip replacement at that time. So I was, I was glad we were at least trying something else that might work. And how miserable was the X-Fix having it on? Um, you talked about the cast. So let's compare the cast and the X-Fix in terms of uh, miserableness on the miserable scale. Uh, well, the external fixator was definitely, like, it, it was more difficult because we had to, like, clean it. And uh, I could, I, I could, but I, I could move more directions because like it was freer, I wasn't in a cast. So I was able to be on crutches with that, which I think that makes it a bit better than the cast, but I also had to do it for three months. So the time difference is a lot more than for the cast. And there, there were things with the external fixator, like, so he had three pins going through up at his hip and three pins going through his thigh and they go all the way through, so you can't put on normal clothing. You know, you have to wear like uh, shorts or pants that snap in between the pins, or some people use ties or buttons or whatever. Um, but you know, so here he is, his freshman year of high school, having to go to school in snap shorts, uh, which is not fun. Um, and he did, he did get an infection at the pin sites um, right after the surgery, so he spent another three days in the hospital with that. Um, on intravenous antibiotics. So it, it had its challenges for sure. And that is very innovative. And, and uh, I, I think that was well worth a try. So let's talk about your follow-up after your, your um, reconstruction and how did that go? And did you go to therapy after that? Or what, what, what kind, of, kind of walk us through what transpired after the surgery when you got the X fix off, external fix it off, etc. So he actually started seeing Ashley right after he got the fixator on. 
um, because they definitely recommended physical therapy starting as soon as possible after that. Um, and we actually had a hard time finding a therapist to take Nevin because a lot of them had never seen an external fixator on the hip and they didn't understand quite, you know, what his limitations were and how they were supposed to treat him. Uh, that's why I was so happy and blessed to find Ashley because she right away welcomed him with open arms and, and was willing to really go beyond what was expected of her. She, we had videos and pictures and stuff from the therapists in Baltimore who deal with this on a regular basis. And Ashley took the time to talk to them on the phone and watch the videos and really learn like how to take care of him in this device, even though she had never dealt with one before, I don't think. Um, so, you know, that was, that was pretty amazing. And that made us feel good that, you know, she was willing to go the extra mile for him. And Ash, kind of walk us through when you first saw Nevin, kind of the, the whole process when you first saw Nevin, um, kind of what you learned, what was okay, how you assessed them, et cetera. Really, I was pretty intimidated when I did talk to Nevin and his mom, and I knew they were going to come in that day. And I I had told them I had never seen anybody with leg calf perthes before. I think when you're in PT school, it's maybe a one-hour lecture, if that. And they always say, oh, you're never going to see this, but let's go over it just for your board's exam. And so um, for him to be coming into my door, I was pretty intimidated, but I wasn't going to turn him away. Even if they had told me that everybody else turned him away, I still wasn't going to turn, turn him away. So um, he did come to me right after his external fixator. And so we were doing passive range of motion for the longest time. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it was around six months, right? Mm -hmm. And so for straight for an hour, we were just doing passive range of motion for the longest time. And did you do much distraction or was it mostly flexion or, or moves or kind of how did you proceed and how did you protect the hip to make sure that we weren't kind of overloading the femoral head? Yeah, we were not doing any joint mobilizations or distraction at that time. I was really following all the guidelines from his therapists and his doctor in Baltimore. And at that time, they they hadn't suggested that we do any distraction or mobilizations with it. Um, they kind of really wanted to be careful with it in those first six months. And so um, we, I mean, I just had to listen to everything that Nevin was saying how his pain levels were. Um, I would take your ob observations from everything. And so it was pretty tough. I mean, it's really hard to do passive range of motion with small hands with an external fixator. Um, I don't know if many people know how hard that is, but um, I feel like we just had a routine and we just went after it. And even though it was the same routine over and over and over again, um, I still felt like we were making progress. So um, it was a great experience. It, I learned so much just because Nevin was such a good sport about everything. He never, you know, gave up or anything. So um, it can be pretty monotonous when you're doing the same routine for six months. No, but I think that is special. You kind of took him under your wing and and uh, 
That is correct. I mean, you're protect, you're trying to protect the hip and you have to be very careful. And although it is monotonous, you're looking at him two, three days a week. He's getting his stretching. He's maintaining his motion, which is imperative after uh, that reconstructive surgery. So after that, kind of tell us about your follow-up and what happened next. Okay. Uh so we had a couple different follow-ups. Did we have any during the fixing or was it only after? Um, I think telecalls. We had a couple telecalls while he was still on the fixator. And then we went back at three months to have it removed. Um, and that was just a quick surgery, you know, to take it off. And then. Uh, and before, uh, like before the fixator was removed, they were actually a bit worried about my motion like i wasn't gay enough but like probably two two or one or two weeks before we got it removed we actually had a big jump into my motion uh which he was my doctor was happy with uh by the time we got there and then once they removed the fixator uh the motion seemed to improve a lot right at the beginning and then we went back to physical therapy and stuff so and and a lot of pain no pain some pain kind of how did your hip feel and how did you feel were you pretty optimistic or kind of where were we after getting the x x fix off the external fixer off uh yeah that i don't remember how much pain i had i think there was still a decent amount doing the stretching uh and i was very optimistic at that point because nothing seemed to be going wrong uh and we were still gaining in motion so yeah i would say that surgery was probably the most painful for him that was a big surgery he was in surgery for about nine hours um and he definitely struggled you know for two or three days after that um with a lot of pain but then he was still on crutches um so he wasn't putting any weight through the leg yet so the, as long as he didn't put a lot of weight through the leg, the pain seemed to be, you know, tolerable. And and how bad was the pin tract infection? Yeah, he was in the hospital for three days on IV antibiotics. So, you know, bad enough. <laughs> so that's pretty, you know, unfortunately, that's pretty standard for X-fixes. I hate to say it, but I would say majority get some type of pin tract issue. So... I can't say that's uh, that's very odd. And when kind of kind of talk about your follow up. When did you follow up, and and what was your follow up subsequent to that? So I think we went back. Um, he had started putting weight on the leg. He was told he could start doing fifty percent and then seventy five percent. And what was great about being at Cora at that time was that they have the Alter G machine, which is a treadmill that controls your um, like how much you weigh, basically how much weight you're putting on. You can probably explain this better than me, Ashley. But uh, he was able to use that, which was wonderful because it's, it's really hard to guess like how much 75% of your weight is. And that takes all the guesswork out of it. So he was using that um, and just slowly progressing to putting more weight on the leg. And I think we went back to Baltimore once during that time and he had a pretty bad limp. Um, Ashley educated me that it's called the Trelindenburg gate. He, he was Dellenberg. Yeah, he had that. And um, so we were concerned about that at the time. 
and his range of motion was still not very good. So those were all the questions we were asking at that time. But uh, Dr. Standard still wanted to give it a little more time and see what happened. And we kept up with the physical therapy. So, so Ash, tell us about kind of his range and explain how the Ultra G um, unloads you, kind of how you sit in that little saddle thing and it kind of takes your weight off. And, and what are good applications for the Ultra G? Yeah, so the Alter G, it you basically get to alter the gravity with inside a compartment that um, anybody can is attached into. And so when he was 50% weight bearing, we could set it at exactly 50% of his body weight. It calculates that with inside the compartment that he's in on a treadmill. And so he was able to walk and eventually run um, at any desired body weight percentage. Uh, which was really, really cool. I felt like all the stars aligned just because there was no way, you know, he would have gotten that grade of care and that device, you know, anywhere else. I think there's only maybe two in St. Louis. So um, it, it really was like for him to be turned away everywhere else. And then we happened to have the alter G it just kind of like felt like it was a match made in heaven. <laughs> That's great. So then you went back, you still had a little bit of a limp, you had a Trendelenburg gait, uh, you, you were clearly not regaining all your range of motion. So what did the doctor say at that time? Um, so I think at that point, or I, I'm not sure which visit exactly we're talking about, but uh, the last like, visit we did before deciding on probably a hip replacement, uh, he told us that uh, I need, if I could like work, there was two motion areas that I could improve on, like that weren't blocked by bone. Uh, so he told us to work, like really stress those in our stretching. Um, and then like, just hope, like maintain the rest of it. And if I could get those well and the hip was still feeling fine to put weight through, then like I could maybe just live with some limited range. Uh, but then as we did that, we seemed to lose a little bit more even and walking was becoming more painful. Uh, so when we went back the next time, he just told us that a hip replacement was really the only option. And this is after, you know, he, he gradually started walking again. Then, as Ashley said, he gradually started running in therapy, doing some, I mean, when I say running, he was not running normally, but he was attempting to run. And he actually even played volleyball for his high school team in the spring. Um, and, you know, what he did was not playing volleyball by his standards, like prior to this, but he was out there, he was trying, he was doing his thing. Um, so, I mean, that was kind of a cool experience that he got to be part of the team, but it was also disappointing because we knew he wasn't what he could be. Um, and so it was after that, that I think all of us were starting to come to the conclusion that this just isn't giving him what he needs and it's time to, you know, move on. <laughs> so, yeah, I kind of remember that, you know, we, 
we were back to those sport specific exercises, but then we were almost noticing a little bit of a leg length discrepancy and it almost got a little bit worse and worse. And so we were like, well, is there a contracture in the hip or is the range of motion really worsening making the leg length discrepancy? So I think we were all kind of seeing the signs leading up to that last follow-up appointment. And, and after the uh, total hip was suggested, you had it two weeks ago? Nevin? Yes. Yeah. And, and kind of walk us through that. How do you feel today? How's your gait? Um, I mean, you're only two weeks status post a total hip. So kind of where are you now and how does it feel and what's your pain level? How's, how's your Trendelenburg gait, et cetera? Uh, yeah, so at this point, uh, like right after surgery, it was a little, I remember some pain, uh, but it wasn't anything horrible. And uh, then there, like two days after, I think I got really sick. So that was not fun. But uh, after that, I've been feeling pretty good and all, pretty much all pain when I'm just like sitting has gone away. Uh, there's no more aches or incision pain. Uh, and uh, my surgeon wanted me to be on crutches, uh, at least like go from two and then to one for five weeks. So right now I'm still using two crutches, but for short distances, I've been able to use one and it feels really good. Uh, and I'm also have a little bit of limited, like I'm not supposed to do certain motion. So I'm not supposed to rotate or uh, cross over at all my legs um, or go past 90 degrees of flexion. So I still have limitations. So I can't fully test how the hip works, but so far it feels really good. And uh, we have a, another follow-up with them soon. So we'll get more information then. And and did they tell you why you can't do those things? Why you can't go past ninety or cross over? I think it's just to help, like, like let, give the hip time to heal. And the like, they had to cut one muscle, so to give that time to heal and get stronger again before we're moving in all different ways. Because of his prior surgeries, um, the doctor wasn't able to do a straight anterior hip replacement, which is what we were anticipating. Um, but he actually did an anterior lateral, which is sort of from the side. Um, and he was able to use the same scar from his second surgery and go in that way because he had to remove two screws that were in there from last time and they were actually buried in the bone. So they were a little difficult to get to. And then there was a lot of scar tissue that he had to remove and just multiple reasons that he said this approach was best for Nevin. Um, but because of that, the recovery is a little bit more intense than it otherwise would have been. Right. And it sounds like they're really protecting your instability. So probably one of the reasons they don't want your hip, your hip flex greater than 90 degrees is they want to maintain stability. They don't want the ball to slip. And uh, as time goes on and the capsule heals and you, you probably have a lot less to worry about and ask and kind of stretch a little bit more aggressively. So your pain right now is pretty tolerable, not terrible. And you're sort of progressing from two crutches to one crutch. And 
any idea or when did the doctor say he thought you would be back to as close to normal as as when this whole thing started? Yeah, so after the five weeks, I'm supposed to start walking again. And that's when we'll also start doing physical therapy uh, and like getting, trying to get back all the range of motion and strengthening everything. And then he said by three months, uh, most people are at their top form, basically, at the hip. So, <laughs> And this particular doctor, yeah, this particular doctor um, told him he can do whatever he wants. There were no, no limitations, even contact sports, which a lot of the doctors shy away from. But he said he doesn't like to limit his patients. He said the materials they're using today are better than they ever have been, should last a minimum of 25 years. And he's comfortable letting him try whatever he wants to try. So that was like music to our ears after, you know, thinking that he was going to be only on the rowing team. <laughs> so. Oh, that, the literature is pretty clear on that, that um, there's not an increase in loosening, et cetera, with running and, and more aggressive sports. So uh, back when I was a resident, which was obviously a long time ago, we just like you said, you could row, you could play golf, couldn't do much. And now uh, we've got a number of athletes that have had total hips that are playing extremely competitive sports and really no issues at all. So I think that's that's definitely – um, standard fare right now. So, Nev, tell us what 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 should we talk about? What did we talk about that we should have talked about in your journey? What kind of what things stuck out, and and what do you want to tell everybody out there? Hmm, that's a difficult question. That's why I asked it? <laughs> uh, I'm not really sure. We covered a lot of it. I think. And Tavia, what do you think? What 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 should we have talked about? Um, is there anything home dynamics? Sounds like the cast was awful. The X-Fix wasn't great. Um, what was going through everybody's mind through this process? What 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 do you want to tell people out there? Um, I think just that you know, anytime you have a child going through something that's not pleasant, it's it's not an easy thing to deal with and. What I found kind of throughout this whole experience is a lot of times the hospitals and the dark doctors are not as informative and as um, communicative as they should be. You know, we got home from our first surgery with him in the cast and we didn't even realize we were going to need a wheelchair ramp to get into our house. Like we should have, I guess, but it just, you know, you're crazy thinking about the surgery and, so the poor guy sitting out there in our garage last summer while my husband builds a wheelchair ramp out of the spare wood in our basement. You know, it's just little things like that. Like I, I, a lot of times during this process, I did not feel well prepared to deal with the things I had to deal with. Um, and that was frustrating and hard and it, it just made it more stressful. So that, that's one thing I, I wish could be improved. Um, I also think that the role of physical therapy was huge for us, not necessarily because it fixed Nevin, but because it, it gave him something to work towards and it gave him people that were encouraging him and sort of looking out for him along the way. Um, you know, every time we went there, 
we had a goal in mind. And so it gave Nevin something to keep fighting towards. And I think during the first part of this process, when we weren't doing everyday physical therapy, we were just kind of, you know, faltering on our own. Um, we didn't have that same support. And so that made a big difference during the second half of this. You know, I think your point's well taken. I don't think we do a very good job um, not only informing patients, but a lot of times they'll, they'll come back and they'll go, well, I really wasn't expecting this or I wasn't expecting that. And, and that's certainly on the physician. And I'm 100% guilty of that. Um, and, and I think simple things and pinside care, in my case, Tommy John, what do you do with the incision? When can you move your elbow, et cetera? So it, it, is, it is a very um, important uh, part because the doctor's done this so many times. It's just, you don't think about it, you know, because to us, it's just every day. Of course, you need a wheelchair ramp. Or you're going to be in a wheelchair. But to the patient who's never done it, you know, it's like a guy explaining to me how to fix my whatever, my HVAC system. I mean, I'm, you know, he could say the simplest thing. I have no idea what he's talking about. So I think we don't do a good job. And, and, and I think that's very important to hear. And I also think we undervalue physical therapy because as you said, I mean, it does two things. Yeah, it stretches his hip, but it's also a contact point. It's someone who's got information. It's someone who basically walks you through it and gives you kind of the optimistic pathway, like you said, a goal, and, and this is what you got to do to get better. And I really think it, it's an extremely important part. And again, in physical therapy, if you're a sports guy, that's everything. Physical therapy to reconstruct an ACL or an elbow is you know, the surgery is one part that the rehab is probably five times more important. So I couldn't agree more. Well, I have to tell you, Nevin, you, um, you're great. You know, you should be viral and be famous now after this, because, uh, <laughs> you, you were, you guys both were excellent. And, um, I'm going to ask Ash if she wants to add anything, but, you know, kudos to her. I really think she took this on, um, that's a hard thing. You know, you've never done this, never seen external fix it, or now all of a sudden you've got this young man who's got this problem and the weight's on your shoulder. So Ashley, what, what, what should we tell everybody out there about this, this journey? It's a crazy journey. I think like just going through this, I think Nevin even made me a better person too. just seeing him three times a week, you know, um, he puts really put things in perspective going through his journey. You know, you, you really don't have a bad day just because somebody else has it worse, you know? And so he made me even a better person um, going through his journey with him. And it was a huge group effort, but really it was all Nevin doing all of the hard work. And so um, he was the one that met his goals and he's the one that got the total hip and is going to get back to soccer. I just know it. <laughs> well, I think not only is a question, and there's no reason he shouldn't. You know, he'll have to go through his rehab. He'll have to strengthen. You'll walk him through that, get his mid-trunk strong, et cetera. But uh, there's no reason he can't get back to soccer and, and volleyball and sports to, to whatever sport he wants to return to. Well, listen, everybody, this, this is a great podcast. I mean, this just to hear it from his standpoint, Nevin's standpoint, Tavia's standpoint, and what, what the journey really is, is a lot different than the mechanics of putting in a total hip or doing a femoral head reconstruction, because that's all very mechanical. But this, this truly was excellent. So I want to thank you guys. And I really think that 
there's a lot to be learned from this process in terms of the, the human side of medicine, which I think sometimes we forget. So thank you. Yeah, thank you for including us. That was great. Yeah, it was a great conversation. I have a question for you, Nevin. Put on your future hat. What What are you passionate about going forward? What do you What Where do you see Nevin in ten years? What do you want? Uh, well, I like to do a lot of things with like uh, I like to make videos a lot, so I might end up doing something with that. You know, you don't want to be a doctor. <laughs> no, no, I don't think clearly. So. <laughs> you, clearly, you nailed the lexicon down. You, you, were, you were dazzling me. I'm going, wow, that's a big, long word there, and he's just nailed it. <laughs> and and uh, I've never heard it. Uh, I've got to go look it up on Google, but I, I've got to figure out what snapshots are. That's a different <laughs> fashion. So I didn't know that. So now i got to learn about that. And then crutches. Can you share with the listeners your best uh, – don't listen, Mom. Your your best crutch – trick uh yeah i probably like my mom mentioned earlier uh i do like stilting on crushes so yes. yeah and i'm i'm pretty good at that i was able to do it for like 40 stilts in a row so really wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, yeah Never, never. Excellent job. Well, hey, absolutely wonderful podcast. Appreciate you guys uh, finding time in your schedule. Tavia, that, that, great kid. Good job, Mom. Yes, yes. He Ashley, is. thank you very much. Appreciate your time, too. No problem. All right. Remember, listeners, go out to Core Physical Therapy. New look, incredible content out there. Again, you're not going to be disappointed. And, and again, for people like me, not Nevin, but for people like me, there are pictures out there that all I have to do is point to. I don't have to read any words. They're pictures. So go out to corephysicaltherapy.com. Excellent website. Find out more. All right. That was great, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.